0: And welcome to this ACE Oncocast series on relapsed small cell lung cancer, understanding the biology and treatment challenges. I'm Dr. Natasha Lail, a medical oncologist from the Princess Margaret Cancer Center in Toronto, Canada. I'm delighted to be joined today by two leading lung cancer experts, Dr. Charles Rudin from Memorial Sloan-Kettering Cancer Center in New York, and Dr. Federico Capuzzo from the National Cancer Institute Regina Elena in Rome, Italy. Welcome to both of you and thanks for joining. In today's ACE OncaCast, we will discuss the current standard of care for extensive stage small cell lung cancer patients. Small cell lung cancer, as many of you know, is characterized by aggressive biology, including very rapid tumor growth, early spread and metastasis, and overall prognosis. It's associated with tobacco exposure, and about two-thirds of patients with small cell lung cancer present with extensive stage disease at diagnosis. Until recently, achieving long-term survival has been a major challenge. For decades, platinum-based chemotherapy was the gold standard both in early stage and extensive stage. But despite high response rates to chemotherapy, Mm -hmm. patients progress uh, and even die within months to a year or two years. However, recently with the introduction of immunotherapy, the treatment paradigm has finally changed for small cell lung cancer and the landscape continues to change. Dr. Rudin, Charlie, I'm going to start with you. What's the role of immunotherapy in treating extensive stage small cell lung cancer today? What do you do in New York for someone who presents with extensive stage disease and what influences your treatment decision-making?
1: Well, thank you, Natasha. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, You know, for extensive stage muscle lung cancer, our standard of care has changed for many years. It was a platinum doublet that is cisplatinum or carboplatinum together with etoposide typically, although in Asia, there's another regimen that has been used and and actually within uh, a a, a Japanese population shown to be superior, which was platinum erinotekin. But certainly for most of the world, our backbone chemotherapy regimen is a platinum agent with etoposide. The change that occurred now about four years ago was uh, the addition of PD-1 uh, uh, blockade uh, through either atezolizumab or durvalumab in, in the United States and, and most of the rest of the world. These agents are approved for use together with a platinum doublet. That really uh, represents our backbone regimen now, a three-drug regimen, platinum etoposide with a PD-L1 antibody. One of the other agents that has been uh, uh, shown to be effective in small cell lung cancer is an anti PD1 inhibitor, uh, surplulimab. This was uh, a, a study conducted in China, uh, adding this agent to a platinum metoposide backbone. A- and similarly to the PDL1 inhibitors, showed a survival advantage that is now approved for use uh, in China. The challenge remains that the the large majority of patients, unfortunately, do not respond uh, to immunotherapy in this disease. So, although we get a very nice response to the chemotherapy, that is quite short lived. The immunotherapy does lead to I would call it transformative benefit in a small subset of patients with extensive stage small cell lung cancer, but probably only about. Ten percent really derive substantial benefit and, and one of the challenges is that the ninety percent really don't benefit, so I think one of the real challenges for the field going forward is to figure out why this high tumor mutation burden tumor is so unlikely to be responsive to immunotherapy and what sort of strategies we might develop to extend the benefit, the transformative benefit of immunotherapy from the 10% to the, to the broader population. But our standard of care like yours uh, and, and like Federico's would be a platinum doublet with a pdl one antibody.
0: Great, thank you so much. And Dr. Capuzzo, what about other things that are being done, other strategies to even build beyond this new three drug regimen that's been so exciting? And, and how have things been in Europe? Are you able to use this now routinely?
2: Well, uh, we have uh, the, uh, fortunately, the treatment of small cell lung cancer is uh, evolving. Now we have immunotherapy in a first line setting that is uh, the standard of care as already Charles uh, highlighted. Of course, we need to improve the results. There are uh, several uh, uh, new agents under investigation. Uh, unfortunately, some recent trial failed to demonstrate any improvement uh, with some of new agents, and I'm referring specifically to the anti tg agents. But certainly, we need uh, new strategies for improving uh, the uh, control of the disease uh, in a frontline setting, considering particularly the uh, limited options that we have uh, at the time of failure, so in second line. So clearly we need uh, new agents and new strategies for controlling the disease.
0: Thanks so much. I'm going to ask you some clinical questions before we get into more of the science. You know, um, when I first started in lung cancer, it seemed all of my patients with small cell lung cancer had some paraneoplastic syndrome, and I always seem to get patients with the worst neoplastic syndromes. <laughs> and you know, SIDH I think is something we still see commonly, um, but sometimes we still see patients with you know whether it's Lambert Eaton or other neurologic uh, paraneoplastic syndromes. What have you noticed a change in frequency in seeing those in your practice? And, and how do you approach those patients with checkpoint inhibitors? Do you have any additional concerns or things that you do? Um, maybe Dr. Attardi, we'll start with you.
1: Sure. So I, I don't think we've seen a major shift in the frequency of these. Uh, and this is a disease that's well known to be associated with perineoplastic syndromes, both endocrine and neurologic. Um, The neurologic perineoplastic syndromes are thought to be antibody mediated, and um, so they do represent the immune system attempting to respond to the tumor. Unfortunately, these antibodies cross-react with uh, components of the neurologic system. This is a neuroendocrine tumor, so it expresses neuronal markers. This is an indication that the immune system is capable of of attacking the tumor. And I think in the early days, we were very worried about bringing immunotherapy to small cell lung cancer, thinking that we may be inducing or, or, or worsening underlying perineoplastic syndromes. I don't think that's proven to be the case. Uh, and, and that may be because the antibody-mediated toxicities of perineoplastic syndromes are really B-cell mediated, they're antibodies, whereas checkpoint inhibitors is really uh, activating the T-cell side of the immune system, the cellular immunity. So I haven't seen a, a marked uh, induction of uh, perineoplastic syndromes with, uh, with the use of checkpoint
2: inhibitors.
0: Thank you. And Dr. Capuzzo, have you been doing the same thing? You've just been starting with the three drugs in these patients?
2: Yes, yes. I I think I completely agree with Charles' comments. Uh, In terms of the incidence, uh, now we are just paying more attention to these aspects. So this is probably the reason why we are... uh, observing uh, more events simply because we are asking more to the patients. Um, I, one of the main limitations we have is that unfortunately, we have a few data on what can really happen in these patients. Because the paraneoplastic syndromes represent the major exclusion criteria in all clinical trials with immunotherapies, most small cell lung cancer and this is of course, something that is really limiting uh, our uh, um the possibility to predict what really what is the real risk that we can induce to the patients.
0: And, and what about radiotherapy? Um, Federico, have you been using consolidation chest radiotherapy in the clinic? Um, what about PCI in these patients that achieve major response with chemoimmunotherapy?
2: Of course, we discuss all the time in the multidisciplinary team with our radiotherapist. Generally, we are in favor for consolidation in the mediastinum. So, the uh, thoracic uh, radiotherapy, consolidation radiotherapy is something that we are considering. Honestly, we are considering less uh, the uh, prophylactic cranial irradiation. So, in uh, in our center, we generally prefer to perform uh, um, brain MRI instead of offering uh, PCI. The reason is, uh, because the median survival of patients with metastatic disease, unfortunately, remain disappointing, but with immunotherapy, now we have a a proportion of patients with long-term survival. So for such patients that are lucky, of course, we don't want to have any negative effect on the uh, cognitive functions. And this is the reason why we prefer MRI instead of radiation therapy.
0: And is is the practice the same in New York? Have things changed that way as well?
2: I would differ a little bit from
1: Federico, but not much. That is, uh, I I agree entirely. We're not using prophylactic cranial irradiation for our patients with extensive stage small cell lung cancer now, really based on the Japanese phase three trial that demonstrated no superiority and, in fact, maybe harm if uh, MRI was negative uh, at the time of enrollment. So we're really not, or I'm not, using uh, PCI for patients with extensive-stage small cell lung cancer. We're also not using consolidative chest radiotherapy, I would say, in, in um, the large majority of our patients. those The data supporting that was actually a negative trial, uh, although there was a tail on the survival curve that, that people look at. The statistics from the trial were actually negative as the trial was designed, and it was in the pre-immunotherapy era. So I'm not quite sure how to incorporate those data into the current chemo-immunotherapy regimens. So uh, we use it rarely, but uh, but I would say chest radiotherapy isn't part of our standard practice.
0: I agree. I think in Toronto, we've been doing the same. I think our radiation team was relieved when the Japanese data came out to abandon PCI in extensive stage. So we, we almost never do it now for extensive stage patients. And I found with, with chest radiotherapy, um, you know there was a big uptake right after Dr. Slotman's presentation at ASCO all those years ago and then the enthusiasm fell off um, you know I think we, we do have some trials for example uh, Dr. Ben Locke who's a scientist with us and uh, Dr. Rudin you trained him at Sloan Kettering um, he's doing a very interesting study looking at radiotherapy and PARP inhibitors uh, yes. looking at Schlotman 11 and other predictive markers and for us it's been a real struggle uh, to, to incorporate immunotherapy and you know what to do with that so so I agree you know these, these are real challenges of how to integrate radiation with with checkpoint inhibitors, but some of our colleagues aren't doing it.
1: Yes, certainly within the research space, I agree entirely. It's still an open question.
0: And you know, I think despite checkpoint inhibitors and and the excitement of them, you know, our, our patients are still progressing. Federico, what what are you excited about in the second line setting? What about later line? What are you using currently uh, in uh, in Rome?
2: Well, uh, what we are doing in Rome is that we are, uh, of course. Uh, uh, um try to include all of our patients in the clinical trials. So at the time of failure, the data with standard therapies are so disappointing that inclusion in clinical trials represent probably the the best strategy that we can have the best option for the patient. Outside clinical trials, of course, the topotecan is the agent that we are using, is the standard of care. But unfortunately, with topotecan, the efficacy is limited and also toxicity represents uh, one of the major limitations other drugs that we can use uh, also we have some access also to uh, we consider a challenge of course with platinum uh, particularly for those patients relapsing uh, after at least three months even if three months is really an arbitrary uh, cut off. And uh, also, we are considering the possibility of using some drugs uh, with in uh, Also, we have some trials with lubinactidine, even if the most recent data with lubinactidine were not not really exciting. So I think that in the, uh, in the, in the standard of uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the current clinical practice, the options are uh, really, really limited. So inclusion in clinical trials is what we recommend. There are also some other agents uh, uh, under development. There are also some agents for supportive, uh, uh, I can say supportive care of the patients, particularly some agents that are able to pro- protect against uh, mielosuppression, uh, like uh, trilaciclib, for example, but this is an agent that has been mainly uh, developed in frontline setting uh, with uh, chemotherapy.
0: Thank you. And what about uh, in New York? Are there uh, exciting pro- projects that you're working on in uh, the second or third line setting? And and are you using checkpoint inhibitors in any of these patients, or does everyone get this first line?
1: Yeah, I I agree with Federico. Certainly, the focus is on clinical trials and on trying to develop better therapies for these patients. I think we have the same standard options that that he has mentioned. Uh, I agree uh, entirely. There are a number of agents now, and I think uh, uh, that are in development and and that are showing some promise. Uh, We rarely use checkpoint inhibitors after checkpoint inhibitor failure, but I would say there are other strategies to try to act The immune system, such as by specific T cell engagers that that have shown some real activity in this context. So, I think looking at how the immune system might be activated, even in patients whose disease has progressed after a a PDL1 checkpoint inhibitor, uh, is a current focus, yes.
0: Thank you. And I think, you know, in Canada, we're still old school, we still use CAV. I don't know, Charlie, when the last um, time uh, you used was, but I think there's been a lot of enthusiasm for neck today, and of course, Platinum Rechallenge is really, you know, my, my personal go-to if I can, um, and someone that's progressed after three months. Um, you know, I did see some very interesting data from Dr. N. Chang's study of Nivolumab and Ipilimumab after immunotherapy failure. So, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on on that and other studies. Thank you, Charlie and Federico. This was a great discussion, and thank you all for listening. Please stay tuned for next week's podcast, when we'll talk about the biology of small cell lung cancer and emerging data in molecular subtypes.